0: Welcome to the Northgate Church podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK. Before we start, shall we just shall we just pray? Father. Father, you are a speaking God. You have things that you want to say to each one of us, Lord God. Because, Lord, you want to lead each one of us by the hand in good paths, paths that will bring life and freedom and fruitfulness and joy. And so, Father, we want to pause our hearts right now. We want to set aside all of the cares and worries of the world, all of the things that are rushing around in our brains, all the problems that we face in life, Lord, we lay them at your feet. And Lord Jesus, we invite you to come and speak to each one of us. Holy Spirit, please will you take the words of my mouth and and put them in each heart, that you will pierce our hearts, that the word will be sharper than a double-edged sword, that it will divide between bone and marrow, soul and spirit in order to bring life, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we are totally dependent on you and we invite you to come and have your way right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we are continuing um, a series that we started right back in January. And basically, it was to say this, that yes, Jesus died on the cross for us and he saved us from our sins and he brought us into a new life. But that was only the beginning of his plan for each one. And that for each and every individual here, God has a tailor-made plan to take you by the hand and he invites you to walk in the good works which he has prepared in advance for you and you alone to do. And we heard that these works are suited to the gifts and callings that he's already put in you when he knit you together in your mother's womb. And in the the couple of times that I've spoken on this before, we've gone over how to go about finding out what God's plan is for you so that you can walk in it and live the fulfilled life that Jesus has called you to. This morning, and and if you have missed those, you know, those podcasts are available on the website. You can go back and catch up with them. But this morning, what I want to talk about is is this. It's It's a morning of warning, if you like to every single one of us, myself included. And it's this, that Jesus has put plans and dreams just for you in your heart. And no one can take that dream away from you. But it is entirely possible for each and every one of us to forsake that dream And to let it go and the the reason we do that is because we do not understand what the enemy is about or what's happening in our lives and we yield and let go of the dream so this morning i would say um i don't know if did you go to the next slide love there are five ways there are many ways where the enemy can trick us and take the dream away from us. But today, um, well, there are five ways that I'm going to cover. Three of them I'll cover today. And perhaps the next two, I'll come back to another, another time. But God wants to speak to us this morning to avoid three things. He does not want his plan for your life to be either aborted nor does he want it to be given birth to prematurely, nor does he want you and I to surrender our dream, God's plan for us. So the first way that the enemy comes um, when he wants to steal away the dream is it seems to us that the dream is slipping away right in front of us. And we've been looking at the story of Abraham and Isaac. And I'd just like to go back over some of that story. If you remember, Abraham had traveled from Ur to the land of Teharan, And God had called him, Abraham, I want you to leave your father, to leave your people, and to leave your land and to go to a place that I will give you. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. This was the first dream that God gave Abraham. And eventually, Abraham, after his father's died, Abraham sets forth on the journey for this dream to be fulfilled. So he walks all the way from Haran to the land of Canaan. And when he gets to the land of Canaan, he is met by hostile forces. The people there have absolutely no intention whatsoever of yielding their land to this stranger. And should this stranger ever try to take the land, they are armed. They've got forces, they've got armies, and they're ready to defend the land. So Abraham has to be careful how he goes throughout the land. And then the land itself does not seem to be a land filled with milk and honey because the next thing that happens is there's a famine in the land. And so Abraham and his wife Sari and his nephew Lot, who he's taken along with him, have to leave the land and they journey down into Egypt where they can find food and survive. But even in Egypt... They are fraught with difficulties. Abraham is really, really scared because his wife is so beautiful that he's frightened the king will see her and kill Abraham in order to take Sarai into his harem. And so he asks his wife to lie. There's a whole story of what goes on there. Eventually, a plague comes on the king And he realises that Sari is Abraham's wife. And so he sends Sari back to Abraham and restores, he sends payment to cover her shame. So after enduring the long journey, the hostile forces in the land, a journey into Egypt, his wife being taken, he eventually comes back to Canaan. And he must think, wow, at long last, I'm back in the land that God has given me. And he thinks maybe now is the time for the dream to come to pass. But then something else happens and he's hit by difficulties from his nearest and his dearest, from his own family. He's hit by difficulties from a quarter that he never ever expected to be hurt by. And his nephew Lot, um, Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen begin to quarrel over grazing rights, over water rights, because there isn't enough in the land to sustain both sets of people, and it causes great tension between Lot and his uncle, Abraham. And Abraham must have felt really bad that after all he's been through, he now has trouble within his own family. And the dream does not seem to be coming to pass. Up until this point, it just seems like jolly hard work for not a lot of payback. But Abraham says to his nephew Lot, I do not want to quarrel with you. Our relationship is better, is more precious than anything that we own or could own. So he says to his, his nephew, here's the whole land before you. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And Lot they're viewing the whole land, realises that the land on the right truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. And there's pasture there for his herds. There's water for his flocks. There's nice places to sit with his family. And so he says, oh, thanks very much, Abraham. I'm going to have that. I'm going to take the best portion For myself and you can have that bit over there which is barren which is not so nice which is not so luscious which is not so rich in natural resources and so they part company lot takes the very best for himself and abraham is left with the scrubby land and the conflict with all the other people that live there fighting over the few resources And I want you to just think, what must Abraham have felt like at that point? If I was Abraham, I'd have been... I'd have been murmuring. I'd have been grumbling. I'd have been complaining, to be sure. Because I'd be saying, excuse me. God, you gave me the promises. You promised me... A land flowing with milk and honey. Lord, I'm the one that's borne the responsibility of the journey. I'm the one who has looked after Lot. Lot has just hung on to my coattails. And yet he has got the better portion. I'm the one that lost my wife. I'm the one that's worked hard and paid the price. And at that moment, he could have yielded the dream and let it go because of disappointment disappointment with god you said well where is it then where is this land flowing with milk and honey even my own family the one person i thought i could rely on i couldn't rely on and i the dream does not seem to be coming to pass now you may think well, how does that, how does that happen in our everyday lives? How does that affect us today? We're not in Canaan. Uh, I haven't lost Gerald because they think he's so handsome. Somebody's pinched him for the Chippendales. Yeah. Um, but we have dreams. There are dreams that God has put in our hearts. So let's say that God has spoken to you. Maybe you have nothing. I remember when I came here, I think I had two pairs of trousers and two skirts made out of curtain material. And God had told me, Lynn, you are to leave your father and your father's house and go to a place that I will show you. I did not have to leave this country, but I had to leave where I was and God brought me here. And I had nothing. But the promise of God was that if you will give up everything, he will return it to you and a hundredfold as well. But I didn't see that for a long time. Maybe God has promised you prosperity and you're really beginning to get your money together. You're beginning to prosper. You're beginning to save a little. And then suddenly a huge, unexpected bill comes and the dream's gone. It looks like it's not happening. Or maybe your dream, what God has spoken to you about, is maybe I'm going to give you children or a wife or a husband, a spouse, and suddenly everyone else around you is getting pregnant or getting married, but you're not. Well, where's the dream? How come, Lord, you're doing it for them and not for me? Remember, again, we we were trying for a a baby. And I could not get pregnant. And then we did get pregnant and we lost the baby. The baby died. And we went to see some friends who only had to look at each other. And suddenly there was a baby. (laughs) And I remember them telling me when they were on child number four that they they were having another baby. And everything within me just cried out because we didn't have a baby. And this is where the dream, the promise for your life is challenged. And it's challenged big time because it doesn't seem to be happening. And at that point, we have a choice we can say, well, it's not fair. And I have said that on more than one occasion. Do you know what? If we are people who have determined to follow our Lord Jesus Christ as his disciple, you will come across many, many times when it's not fair. Life does not always appear fair, but we have to get over that Life is not fair, but God is always good. And God is always working despite the setbacks. And I want you to know that God is mighty. God is mightier than the negative circumstances that seem to be stealing your dream from you. God is a mighty God to save each and every one of us. And if he has said it, he will bring it about unless you surrender the dream. The enemy cannot take God's promises from you, but you can let them go. Do you remember, well, many of you won't know, but 20 years ago... Somebody help me out here. But we had a wonderful prophet who used to come among us regularly. His name was Uncle Ernie. or well, we called him Uncle Ernie. He wasn't our uncle. One of the greatest men of God I've ever known personally. And Uncle Ernie's died now. But many of the things that he said to me, I treasured in my heart. And I remember them. And one of the things that Uncle Ernie said was he came here one Sunday and he said, Lynn, he was a real seer. He could see in the spirit. He could tell you things. The first time I ever met him, I sat next to him and he told me, turned to me, and he told me one of the deepest, darkest secrets of my heart, which even Gerald didn't know. I was so shocked. and after he came, every time he came after that, I would absolutely, I'd be fasting, I'd be praying, making sure that my life was totally clear. But anyway, I digress. Um, Uncle Ernie came, and one day he said, Lynn, the floor of this hallway is littered with mantles. These are robes of authority that God Places on every child every child but because we have not hung on to God in adversity when the dream looks like it's slipping away we've let them go and they've slipped off our shoulders and they're on the floor now I believe that God is doing again what he wanted to do before Now is God's time. And I do not believe there's a single person here by accident. God has plans for you. And it's time. It's time to seek his face because he has work and good things for us. And he wants to speak to each and every one. It doesn't matter if you've just come here and you have nothing. And it doesn't matter if you've been here like me 40 years. We're all equal before God. And he has plans. And I want to tell you, do not allow the enemy to trick you into believing that it's game over That the dream will not happen for you. Do not yield your dream because if we keep going, trusting our faithful God, it will come to pass and no one will be able to take it from you. Has anyone got a tissue? Thank you, Helen. The second way that... Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Excuse me, doing this one. (laughs) Thank you, Helen. Now, the second way that the enemy, who is always prowling around, seeking who he may devour, can steal (coughs) your dream, steal God's plan for you, is this. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yes. I struggle with this one so much. He will tell you that time is running out. That time is running out for you. And in our dreams... We are incredibly governed by what we think is the right time scale for God to bring about his plans in our lives. So I knew there was a calling on my life. But when I was young, I thought, well, I'm too young for it. And then when I was old, I think I'm too old for it. And these are the lies that we believe about time that we're either too young to come into all that God has for us, or we're too old. But the third, there's a third lie, a really, really big lie, and it's that I haven't got enough time. So. I realise I've forgotten to tell all my stories from the first example. But we often get tricked into thinking, I haven't got time for what God wants for me. And I'm just going to use Gerald as an example here. Um, Because Gerald has got a full-time job as a financial director in a Christian um, book company... And also, he works here. But last year, God began to speak to Gerald about some new things that he wanted Gerald to do. And I'm thinking, how on earth is he going to fit this in? In the natural, Gerald did not have the time to do what God was calling him to do. And I have been utterly utterly amazed at how God has all I can say is God's like put time on elastic because Gerald is probably doing twice as much as he was doing before but he is on the whole full of energy (laughs) and full of vim and vigor now there are days when that's maybe not quite so true But it's like God has elasticated the time so that he has time to do what God has called him to do. But the natural mind says, oh, I haven't got enough time. And often we don't even seek God for his purposes for us because we say and we believe, I haven't got time for that. And so we miss it altogether. I want to say to you that God is the creator of time. And his dream, his plan for you is not governed by the natural laws of time. He can do whatever he wants and he will give you the time if he wants you to do it. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? But it is a huge lie of the enemy that says you have no time. It's also a huge lie to say I'm too young or I'm too old. So going back to our story of Abraham and Sarah, and God says, I'm going to give you descendants as many as the stars in the sky and as many as the grains of sand on the seashore. But by the time she gets to 99, she hasn't even got one descendant, never mind thousands. And again, we can yield the dream. Well, it's just never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's too late. It won't happen to me. Do not yield the dream. I have seen people who've been promised um, a spouse and they've maybe waited 15 or 20 years, but when the time comes, it's like heaven on earth. Sarah herself gave birth, I think it was 99 she was, well past the, the years of childbirth. Lazarus was never healed because he was dead. It was game over. But God, this church, God has said things for this church 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And five years ago, the doors came within a millimeter of closing It looked like game over, but God. And I implore you this morning, whichever stage you're at, do not think you've run out of time. You haven't. God will come at just the right time for you. All he requires is our faithful and continued trust in him and waiting on him because he will come at the right time. The other thing I want to say is that often, in my own experience, God seems to have two two speeds, slow and dead slow. Yes. (laughs) And I can't explain that. We were talking even on Thursday. You know, I'm a person, and this has been my problem with time. Well, if God said it, he says it on Friday, I expect it to have happened by Monday. And I really, really struggle that, you know, maybe three years down the line, it has not come to pass. But this is where, and I have to do this over and over, we have to be very quick To surrender our time frame to the Lord and say, I will trust you until you bring it to pass. We have to believe that verse. It's Philippians 1.6 and it says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day that Jesus comes back. And we must be a people who hang on to that because it's true, as it was for Sarah, as it was for Joseph. You know, Joseph was given a dream and a plan. You're going to be ruler of everything, and your brothers and your mother and father will bow down to you. And then he went into slavery, and then he went into service, and then he was accused of rape. And then he went into prison. And then he interprets the dream for the butler and the baker. And even at that point, he says to them, when you're restored to Pharaoh, remember me. But even after that point, he has to wait two more years before he's elevated into the place that God had ordained him from before the foundation of the world. I can't explain that. God has his own time scale. And we just need to flow with it and trust him that he will bring it to pass and do not yield to the enemy and think it's game over. And then there's one other way that the enemy can steal our time and I talk to you, not as one who has had great success in this field, but one who has had spectacular failure in this field. And that is this. That if we, um, if we see the dream slipping away, if we, if we think that time is running out, we... <coughs> try to shortcut the dream by helping God out. Lord, have you realised what's going on? Should I just, I thought I will just interfere and help you out a bit? Because although you're God Almighty, really I'm running the universe and it all depends on me. (laughs) Now, we laugh, but do you know what? That's That's really sort of how we think. We feel, I must step in and help God out. And, you know, that's exactly what Sarah and Abraham did. They decide that time is running out because the baby isn't appearing. The son that was promised is not appearing. And you know the story. Sarai goes to Abraham and says, look, love, I think we need to step in and help God here. Just take Hagar and, you know, do the business, and let's raise a family through Hagar. She's so magnanimous, just like me, helping God out because he needs it, not. But when she helps God out, it creates disaster. It does not do one modicum to bring about the plan, but it does a huge amount to create an awful mess. Ishmael is born, we do things, we jump in, and we do things, and it creates a mess. And you can make the choices of the things that you do, But you cannot choose the consequences that will follow from those actions. And sometimes we do things in a small way, but sometimes we do things in a really big way. Sometimes we marry the first man that comes along because time is running out. I want to tell you, I've seen two or three weddings in this place over the years. Where I know that as the bride is walking down the aisle, she thinks she's marrying the wrong person, and she knew that walking down the aisle, and probably, let's say it was four marriages. Three of them, it's all it, they're divorced, and one of them is still married, but they're not happy. Well, because you know, I stepped in. I did not marry the wrong man. But, you know, I, we, we step in. <laughs> we step in because time is running out. And I can't trust God. I won't trust God. I've got to help him out. So then there's a mess. There's an ishmael. You know, there's a divorce, maybe, that you have to work through. There's years of unhappiness before you get to the divorce. There's consequences you've got to recover from the divorce the the resources are split and it all takes time to recover from and this is what happens with sarah sarai and abraham they helped god out and created an ishmael i've i've done that i've created ishmaels i've i've taken jobs maybe I shouldn't have done, we did that. (coughs) Gerald was offered a promotion in one of the places where he worked and we agreed, yes, take it. But it was the wrong thing. And in the end, it led to burnout, didn't it, love? And Gerald, this was a few years ago, and Gerald was burnt out for a whole year and we went through that together. Because we acted too quickly. We created an Ishmael. But this is what I want to say to us this morning. Even if you create an Ishmael, like Abraham and Sari, they've got the child, God is still working on his promise to you. He's still working on Isaac. God does not forsake the plan just because we mess up. Isaac is still coming and your promise is still there, even if you feel you've messed up. So we maybe have to sort the mess out. Abraham and Sarai, they had to sort the mess out. But all the time, God is still working on Isaac to bring the greatest blessing to you and to fulfill his plans. So, this morning, I just want to say, it all feels a bit heavy actually. God has plans each and every one of us, doesn't matter who you are, if you're not dead, God has a plan for you. Yeah. I often think of, was it, Cap- was it Captain Tom or Major Tom? Oh, Captain. Captain Tom. <laughs> he was lovely, wasn't he, Tom? Oh, this is Tom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But Captain Tom, you could have prophesied. I don't know if Captain Tom was born again or not, but Captain Tom, for those who don't know, was a gentleman who was 100? 90 something. (laughs) 90 something during COVID. And you could have prophesied over Captain Tom's life when he was in his 20s, Tom, you will change this country. You will affect single-handedly the entire nation. And Captain Tom grew up, he joined the armed forces, he got married, had children, retired, became an old man in his 90s. But on one of his birthdays during COVID, Captain Tom decided that he would do 100 laps of his garden. And he would, he didn't do them all at once, he did them in stages and somebody got hold of it And put it on social media. And then the whole country got behind Captain Tom. And Captain Tom raised 30 million? A A, large sum. He raised millions and millions of pounds. And he was like the ray of hope to the whole country at the height of the COVID period. And he was knighted by the Queen, and I think he made a pop record. Anyway, Captain Tom was elevated, and quite rightly so, in every newspaper, in every high place of the land. But Captain Tom, had he known, could have said so many times, that will never happen. It's game over. Never, ever, ever give up. That's the word of God to us this morning. I just want to say, if you don't know Jesus our wonderful master and saviour, and you would like to know him, we can tell you about this saviour who has great plans for us. Come and see us afterwards. If you have been struggling with your own dream and you are a person who feels like time is running out, the dream has slipped away, or if you feel like me that you've made a mess and you need help clearing it up, then come down here afterwards and we will pray with you because God wants to sort everything out, get you up on your feet again and marching onwards with all that he has for you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church Podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church Chester.